as always, I'm going to be in front afterwards. If you've got any questions or you want to talk to me about anything in the sermon, I'll be there and available for that. So good afternoon. Christmas is 13 weeks away. Joy to the world. Do you remember when you were small, how long it took Christmas to get here? And as you got older, how much faster it gets here? I don't know how that works, but it's like there's some sort of time fluctuation or something. It's very strange. You know, we all have expectations that Christmas is a happy time, or at least most of us. But Christmas also brings some challenges. One of those not very significant challenge is what to say when you get a gift that you absolutely have no use for, no desire to have. We've all gotten a few of those, right? Like, So to help you today prepare for these questionable gifts, here is a top ten list of things to say about Christmas gifts you do not like. Number ten. This is the perfect thing for wearing around in the basement. (laughs) Number nine. Oh, I really like this. If only I hadn't grown four sizes. Number eight. Sadly, tomorrow I'm moving to Antarctica. Number seven. Hey, isn't this something? Number six, wow, I I, I hope this never catches fire. Um, It is fire season, though, and and there are lots of unexplained fires. Number five, this is so nice, I'll never feel comfortable wearing it out anywhere. Number four, well, well, well. Number three, if the dog buries this thing, I'm going to be furious. Number two, and to think, this was the year I vowed to give all of my gifts to charity. The number one reason reason you can give when you get a, a gift that you don't want, I really don't deserve this. I hope you don't need to use any of those, but I think all of us from time to time have sort of had that. Just like we get Christmas gifts sometimes that we were not expecting, we sometimes get things from other people that we just don't want. At at, um, work, you may have been expecting to be on a work team, and instead you got demoted or laid off. At your church, you may have been expecting healing and companionship, from, a, from your other Christians that you go to church with, but you felt excluded or unnoticed. In your family, you may have been expecting love and acceptance, but instead you experienced rejection and abandonment. Now, I've had this sermon ready for a while. A couple of months ago, our Bible, our Bible discussion group talked through John chapter 5, and we had a really good discussion about different things, and I just love that group. 
On the way home, God said to me, go back and read it again. Read the first story again. I go, okay, I, I know what's in that story, but I'll read it again. Now, I don't know if it's because I just had one of those milestone birthdays. Maybe it's because of all the moving and the sorting and the get rid of stuff and remembering things and like, am I going to keep this and do that? And and we're still kind of doing that with some of the things. Perhaps it's just the season that I've been going through. still am a little bit with all of the changes and the transitions and moves. I'm not really sure. But I've been thinking more about the past than I usually do. I pretty much live in the present. I don't think about the future a lot. I don't think about the past a lot. But I've been doing that a little bit more. Most of the memories I have are good, and I'm grateful. There were a few that reminded me of something that caused me pain. And I wondered why. So God spoke to me in a different way through this story that we're going to read. This is a little bit of my journey. Maybe it'll speak to you too. So God, I ask that your Holy Spirit For those, just like the prophetic word we got, for those who need it, it'll be an encouragement. For those who it just doesn't really fit, that'll be something maybe to be filed away for a future time. But thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking to all of us in one way or another. Amen. First of all, I want to agree that virtually all of us have been victims of sinful, selfish, hurtful acts by people at work, church, families, and neighbors. That's true. But if you don't get anything else from today, here's what I want you to get. Being a victim is not a life sentence. Every Christian has the grace and power available to them to receive healing from emotional wounds. Let me say it again. Being a victim is not a life sentence. Every Christian has the grace and power available to receive healing from emotional wounds. Now, the thing about this is there's a real possibility that sometimes we choose to remain victims, even when we have the opportunity and the ability to move on. Going back through things, I go, oh, I'm still dealing with that pain. I don't know why that's still there. Anytime we remember a hurtful time of pain or shame and then relive that hurt and shame, we are living below the level of healing God desires for us. Did you get that? It's not wrong to have it, but why would you keep it? When I look back and I go, oh, that brought pain to me. Why am I still having this, God? What do I need to do to get rid of this? And if we still have that, we're living below the level of healing God desires for us. Now, if you or I got shot... We're living in a city that's kind of having a rampage of that right now. If we got shot, we would rush to the emergency room, right? We wouldn't be worried about who shot us. That's somebody else's thing. We'd be going. Our first and probably only concern would be, I want to survive. 
I want to get well. I don't want to die on this place. With physical hurts, we go get immediate help. I, Mary's better at pain than I am. I'm not very good at pain. I'm, I'm kind of wimpy, actually. Maybe it has something to do with being a woman and doing childbirth and all of that kind of stuff or something, but I'm kind of wimpy. If I get a paper cut, I'm like, oh, my God, i got to wash it and you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, that's what we do, right? If you get up in the middle of the night and wham, you hit your toe on the, on the corner of the bed and, and it's like, oh, I'm dying now or something like that. Well, for me, it is. I know I'm not really dying, but it really hurts. We attend to it right away. But for some reason, with emotional hurts, we seem to respond differently than a physical wound. When we are shot by other people, we tend to focus on the shooter, not the healer. When we receive an emotional wound, we tend to look at who shot us, not at the one who can heal us. And this is one of Satan's most effective strategies. Satan knows healing is available, and he will do anything he can to keep us from receiving healing and freedom from the emotional bondage to past wounds. So I'm looking through my drawer of cards and stuff that I keep that are my encouragement, and some of them are like, the relationship didn't end well, or the people just moved away. And it's like, what just happened here? And pain came. And a couple of people, I still felt pain. Go, God, why is it like that? Goes, because she didn't get healed. Being a victim is not a life sentence. Hello? What you suffered five months ago, five years ago, 10 years ago is not a sentence that you will be debilitated by that forever. Jesus died to heal you of the emotional pain that were caused when you got shot by other people. Comments, rejection, and hurt. Every Christian has the grace and the power available to receive healing from emotional wounds. Thank you. Let's look at our story a little bit. We're going to read through, turn to John chapter 5. You're probably, if you've been in church for a while, you're familiar with this. We're going to look at it a little bit different because this is what God said to me a few weeks ago. It's interesting while you're looking this up. That's when God said to me, stop and do the thing on um, true riches. So uh, the last four times I've spoken, it's been something about true riches. So, But I wrote this, this sermon months ago, because I was working through some of this stuff a couple months ago. I was in the middle of a lot of stuff, just processing old things. So I just put it away and figured, okay, this is one for me. And then I met with Hanny on Friday morning, and he said, hey, can we switch, and can you speak tomorrow or Sunday? I go, well, yeah, I got one I, like, wrote two months ago. I'm, like, ready to go. John, chapter 5, are we there? Okay. Verse 1. We'll read through this, and then I'm going to come back and look at a couple verses. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a, feast with, for a feast of the Jews. Now, there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which is in Aramaic is called, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades, or porches. Here, a great number of disabled people used to be 
used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, waiting for the movement of water for an angel of the Lord to come down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever, after the stirring of the water, first stepped in, was made well from whatever disease which he or she was afflicted. Verse 5. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, (coughs) he said to him, do you want to get well? Verse 7. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked and walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. Now, in this passage, we can see an example of how Jesus asked a man to leave his physical and his emotional pain behind. Verses 1 to 5 describe the man's situation and how he got there. Go back to verse 6. I want to spend a couple minutes in 6, 7, and 8. Verse 6. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Now, when I went back and read this, I read that verse and I go, okay, that's just weird. The guy has been laying there for 38 years, right? Or he's been trying to get well at least for 38 years. And Jesus says to him, do you want to get well? Well, what's the answer that we expect to have happen? Yeah. Think I'm doing this for a suntan? I don't think so. I want to get well. Why would Jesus ask such a question? You understand Jesus already knows the answer to every question he asks you or me. When there's a question in the Bible that Jesus asks, he already knows it. He's not asking a question in order to get information that he doesn't know. Questions from God are an invitation to revelation. Do you get that? When God asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know. He's saying, I want to talk about this a little bit. So what else is going on here if it isn't about healing? Because obviously the guy wanted to get healed, but there's something else. I want to suggest this is an amazing demonstration that God will not force himself on anybody. We can keep all of our stuff. Good or bad, we get to keep it unless we decide we want to give it to God. We can keep our pain. I can keep the stuff in my drawer that I have of all these things people have given me over the years, and I can keep the ones that cause me pain. And I can feel pain anytime I read them, if I want, and if you want. It's true of emotional healing. If we want to keep that, if we want to remain angry at Johnny from the fifth grade who beat you up in the first fight, the guy who didn't ask you to the prom, the first person who fired you, whatever the place of pain comes from, we can keep that. Or we can get healed 
We get to decide to receive emotional healing or not. Now, this man had embraced a victim mentality. It was his identity for many years. Now, how do we know that? When Jesus asked him the question, do you want to get well? We expect yes, but that wasn't the answer this time. Look at verse 7. Here's how the guy answered the question, do you want to get well? He says in verse 7, Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool, and when the water is, when the water is stirred, while I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Now, that's a factual statement. But what was the response all about? It was about why he was still in that state. The focus was on, I'm still sick. This is what I do. God stirs the waters. I don't get there. I stay sick. Nothing about that answer was in response to Jesus' question, do you want to get healed? All of the response was, here's why I'm still sick. That's what we as victims do. We focus on who victimized us and how we still feel. I get the privilege of saying, I don't want to look at that anymore. Or I get the privilege of saying, I want to feel this pain again. When it hits from some other thing, it reminds me of that and I go back there again. But we get to choose. And this man had chosen to focus on why he was still sick, not his desire to be healed. Now, he said that. He says, wow, I can't get out of, you know, get into the pool in time and all that. But you know what? I have, and I think probably a lot of us here have, times when we remember painful incidents and encounters from our past. We feel the pain and the hurt again. Jesus asks us, do you want to get healed? And way too often, maybe you're better than me, but I don't think so in this area. We respond with things like this. You don't know how badly I was hurt by what he did. Focused on the pain. She should never have done that to me. I'll never get over it. Focused on the pain. I am so offended, I'll never be able to trust again. Focused on the pain. What was Jesus' question? Do you want to get well? What are we answering? I'm totally focused on the pain and who caused it. It's up to them to be, make the first move. I hurt too much to even try. And that comes out of people's mouths. It comes out of my mouth more than I want. It comes out of people's mouths more. And maybe we don't cry, but we cut people off. Maybe we don't openly weep or openly respond. We just break relationship. We exclude. We don't ever get healed. We avoid circumstances that feel like it might look like that. I remember one, I picked up a card and I was looking through it and the card was really nice. But I remember what happened, what that person did to me about six months after I got that card. I wanted to say one of those things. But I was in the middle of this and I go, okay, God, I'm, I'm kind of victimized by what that person did. says, Rob, do you want to get well? 
Yeah, I do, God. How do you want, what do you want me to do? And every one of us, in every place where we've got that victimization and the pain that comes from that, has the opportunity and the choice to say, I want to get healed or I want to keep the bondage to the victimization. Look, the feelings are real. I'm not saying we don't have the feelings. It takes a while for the feelings to go. But I do know, talking to you about that person, what happened and what subsequently happened to the card that I got, and I threw the card out because I figured I don't need that. I, I want my memory drawer to be full of really positive things. It doesn't hurt here because God healed me from that. But it was a choice I made to say, I'm going to leave that, the place where I was victimized, and I'm going to get healed. See, we can say all of those things I listed out, and the feelings are real, but none of them responds to Jesus' question, do you want to get healed? There's a lot of people and really a lot of people in our culture now that we're talking about it, that stay victims. Continue to feel the pain. The anger that gets expressed through, you know, some of the, the media and, and the, um, what do you call the things like Facebook and Instagram? Social, yeah, the, the say it again. Social media. The stuff that's out there is people who are still hanging on to the pain of what happened to them rather than responding to Jesus' heart that says, do you want to get healed? How effective do we want to be as a community to impact our spheres of influence? Our degree of success and positive kingdom outcomes is going to be directly related to how much stuff we unload and how much we get healed. Because you can be, you can like get a, almost a written statement from heaven that says, if you've got an area that hasn't been healed yet, Satan will send somebody into your workplace, somebody from your family, somebody, you know, from your church that's going to put their finger right on this thing. And I'm sitting there, you know, two or three months ago, looking at this thing going, wow, I really got a choice right now, don't I? Because that just put a finger on a place in me that wasn't healed yet. Verse 8. Then Jesus said to the man, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. First that phrase, get up. Jesus showed the man incredible grace mixed with a command to do something. Jesus knew it would take faith to attempt something the man had been unable or unwilling to do for decades, he had to make the choice, the courageous choice to say, my identity may have been wrapped up in that thing, but I want to get healed. Look, God knows it takes a lot to refocus because the pain is real, the rejection or whatever. That's a real feeling. We're not saying your feelings are invalid. They aren't. Pain is an indication that we need to get it healed. You go see a doctor. I go talk to Laura, Laura and I said, hey, Matt, you know, I've, I've, my, my stomach's just killing me. That's an indication to Laura that says something's wrong here and needs to get healed. When we're in pain and we go to God and say, I'm, I'm in pain, 
God, kill the person who's doing that to me. Move them to, you know, Irkutsk. That was for you, Elena. He's going, no, let's, let's get you healed. Because if that person moves, there will be someone else that the enemy brings into your life that does exactly the same thing. Let's get you healed. If I go and say, how do I fix my gut? And you give me a prognosis, I go, that sounds terrible. I hate fasting. I don't want to do that. I'm going to go find somebody else. And we never get God knows it takes a lot of pain to do that. I mean, a lot of courage to address pain and victimization. The command, get up, is to refocus from the pain to the one who can heal us. In one way or another, God is going to say to every one of us when we're dealing with pain, get up. It's interesting. If you've ever prayed for people with with healing, like they can't walk or something like that, few people get healed while they're still sitting. You got to get up and try it. And I just love to see the, the, the face on somebody who has been in pain and they get up and they start to walk and they turn around and they go, and they get this crazy look on their face because the pain went away. Get up from Jesus is that thing that says, take a different choice of action rather than continue to lay in the pain that you've been in. And that's hard. It's hard to refocus if our identity has been wrapped up in pain and victimization. God knows, too, that generally we can't do that on our own. But the really good news is, if you've accepted Jesus, God lives in you through the power of Holy Spirit, and he will help you do what you cannot do on your own. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. I think I mentioned one other, turn there. While you're turning, I think I mentioned um, my first pastor when I came back to church gave me 25 verses to memorize. He said, these will help you, and this is one of them. This is one of the first ones, first five or ten that I memorized. I say it often. I remind God of it frequently. Second Corinthians 12, 9. says this, but the Lord said to me, Paul is writing, the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I, Paul, will continue to boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. The message, which is a fun little paraphrase, says this, and the Lord said to me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own when you're weak. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Grace can be defined as God's empowering ability to do something that I cannot do by myself. Grace is God's empowering ability for me to do something I cannot do on my own. 
And this verse tells us his grace is enough. It doesn't matter how big the pain is, how much the rejection was, how many times we were victimized. God says, my grace is enough. Somebody say amen. Right now, God is starting to talk to people in your heart. Some of you are getting memories of stuff. And God says, my grace, my ability to help you do what you cannot do is enough to move you from the place of being victimized to a place of freedom and overcoming. Refocus. And this refocus is necessary. As long as we're still focused, as long as I'm still focused on this piece of paper that reminds me of stuff that caused me pain, I'm not going to get free. As soon as that gets put aside and I look to God who is able to give me whatever I need in a measure I need it as often as I need it, It's not a one-step thing for stuff that really hurts. I've come back to God dozens of times on some things. I'm here again. I took it back. I'm back in the place of pain and focused on what was wrong rather than your healing. I need your grace again because your power to change me into a person who's free and can live without pain is bigger than the pain. Pick up your mat and walk. The man had to do something, and he did. He moved the focus from the pool that he could not get in quick enough so that he would stay a victim. And he looked to Jesus, and he said, I'm going to get up. And he did, and he got healed. There's an action that's required. It isn't just a command, but there's a get up and walk kind of a thing that God has us do. Now, when there's emotional pain, the action generally is forgiveness. In a physical pain, it's get up and actually walk. When we're dealing with emotional pain, the action is forgiveness. Now, you've probably been taught about forgiveness. Acts heard me do a whole series on it. It's, we're familiar with it. Our problem is implementing it. Yeah, I know I forgive. Okay, God, I forgive them. But if we're still living with the stuff, we haven't fully worked through forgiveness. If you've been emotionally wounded, forgiveness will be the emergency room where you get healing. If you've been emotionally wounded, forgiveness will be the emergency room where you get healed. We can't control anybody else around us. I can't fix, change, alter the past and anything people have done to me. Forgiveness is not about doing something with them. 
Forgiveness gets me free. It gets you free. And it doesn't matter about the degree of mistreatment because as long as I carry that, I'm going to see that same action in someone else. It's going to remind me of that, even if that person didn't mean it, and they often don't. But I still remember the first pain, and I go back there again, and then they're bad, and the person here is bad, and I'm still in more pain, and the whole cycle of victimization is repeated. Forgiveness releases me from what that person did to me. It sets me free. It sets you free from the stuff that happened. Forgiveness usually takes multiple shots, multiple attempts. And the more the pain is there, the more the hurt is there, the more the betrayal is there, the more times we're going to have to forgive. But it's so worth it. Freedom beats victimization every time by miles and miles of comfort, peace, joy, God's presence in us. Look, for every Christian, hurts are inevitable. But staying in pain and living as a victim is optional. If we choose to focus on being a victim rather than treating our wounds with forgiveness, those wounds can become spiritually life-threatening. The story is told about the Confederate general in the Civil War in the United States, Robert E. Lee. Yes, I'm related to him. Just to save all the questions. Okay, I am. Robert E. Lee paid a visit to a Kentucky home owned by a bitter and angry woman. When he came to the door, she pointed to what had been a magnificent tree in front of her house. She pointed to what was left of it, and she was upset because the Union artillery had totally ruined this amazing tree. It was no longer beautiful. She wanted General Lee to share her anger. She wanted the great leader to condemn the Yankees and sympathize with her. General Lee paused and quietly responded, Cut it down, my dear madam, and forget it. Because he knew, like we do, the ravaged tree would only be a reminder of what was lost, what caused pain, of being a victim. That tree would never recover, and her bitterness would not change that fact. He just suggested the remainder be cut down so she could get on with her life. Being a victim is not a life sentence. Every Christian has grace and a power available to receive healing for emotional wounds. Now, I've got a little bit of time, and for the next five minutes, I ask that nobody move because God is doing some stuff with some people right now. You can close your eyes, open your eyes, look whatever you want but honor what God is doing in some people right now. As I've talked, Holy Spirit has brought stuff up to some of you. Probably not all of you. Some of you are going to go home and it's just fine, and that's okay. But some of you, there's something that came back, and it was imminently, immediately painful. When I said the word victim, there were people here that go, yep, that's me. And it's not a condemnation 
But it is an invitation to identify here's what hurts and here's how we can get free. So I want to take just a minute just to respect everybody. Close your eyes just for a minute. If you go to sleep, you didn't need this, but those who don't go to sleep are going to get something out of this time. If Holy Spirit reminded you of something someone said or did to you and you felt betrayed or in some way victimized, go ahead and look at it. It's the pool you can't get to quick enough and the feeling of, oh, I missed it again. Will I never get over this? And you probably, if that's the case, you've got a picture of that person, that event, that thing in your mind now. And Jesus comes to you in that mental picture you've got right now. And he says, my grace is big enough to bring you into healing. It's time to get up from that place of victimization and step into healing. And we do that by forgiving. And you may be thinking, you know, the thought comes, I've forgiven. If it still hurts, we're still trying to forgive. And we do it again. This was a season for me to address a few remnant things that cause pain. And we are in a season now in our church community of getting well so that we can be a hospital of healing for the people that are coming who come in with pain, emotional pain. If you're here now and that you've got that picture, just take a moment. Say, God, that woman, that boss, that parent, that uncle that did that thing to me, God, I forgive them. You can see it. You can see that person or those people in your mind's eye, in your memory. God, I forgive them again. And God, I'm going to get up. My focus is not going to be on the pool that I can't get into to get healed. I'm going to get up and start walking with you into freedom. The thing that's been holding me back, this is my time. God, I choose, and this is important. God, I choose to forgive John, Jane, my boss, my uncle. I forgive them again. I release them to be whatever they're going to be, and I look at you for grace to bring healing to my heart, restoration to how I think about who I am and how I do life. God, I receive your freedom. I receive a new name you've given me, and it is not victim anymore. It is overcomer. Breathe that in. Your name now is Overcomer. 
because by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. And he didn't restrict that only to physical healing. Jesus died for all of our emotional wounds, too. Isn't that cool? It's time to cut the tree down. Move on. God's grace will help us do that. Jesus is asking you today, do you want to get healed? We're going to let you go now, but what I'd like to do is if the Holy Spirit said something to you today, you got some stuff, you haven't quite figured out how to make it work, come up front. There's some people that would love to pray with you a little bit more. Um, Aaron Thalpe are here. Mary's here. Henny and Silva are here. If you would like someone to spend a little bit more focused time helping you move from being a victim and the pain that comes with that into a place of forgiveness and freedom and overcoming, come forward. So what I would ask is the rest of us, when we get up, Front doors are open. It's a pretty nice day. Have the snacks out there and honor what God wants to do with some people here. So if that's you, come on forward. If not, may the Lord bless you. May he give you a week filled with freedom and overcoming all the stuff that the enemy tried to weigh us down, that we will be identified not as victims, but as overcomers. Amen? Bless you guys.